I'd like to think that after a lifetime around hockey in lots of different forms, at lots of different levels, there isn't that much that's going to flat out surprise me. This really did. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dayan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates, the other two teams in town that I cover. I hope you'll take the time to check those out as well. Tom Barrasso was elected into the Hall of Fame. Not the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. The Hockey Hall of Fame, the one in Toronto. Now, when I say it in that tone, you're probably thinking that I'm incredulous over this. I'm not. I'm not. Barrasso, for me, was always a guy that was going to be right there on that Sergei Gonchar periphery, where if he'd get in, You'd say, yeah, okay, makes sense. And if he didn't get in, you'd have no real problem with it. But for Barrasso to go in as part of a three-goaltender class that included absolute no-brainer Henrik Lundqvist and another completely out-of-nowhere entry in Mike Vernon, it almost felt as if there was some sort of theme to what the electors were doing. The electors, by the way, are not a pool of hockey writers the way it is in baseball. The electors are a very small group, always fewer than two dozen, most of whom are hockey players, hockey coaches, hockey lifers who've earned their votes by being part of the fabric of the sport. There are a couple of writers on the committee, but it's not a writer thing. It's not the way it is in baseball where it's done completely by the writers who've been on beats for 10 or more years. I'm one of those. So this almost felt like it was some sort of overdue apology to goaltenders from the 1980s who might have been left out because of the insane, historically speaking, nature of scoring in that decade. So if you look at Barrasso's goals against average, even his save percentage back then, it's not going to be anything that would put him in the stratosphere of the upper tier of goaltenders, even now that scoring has made a nice comeback. He also played with about half the equipment size that you see now. And for that matter, he played a style that no longer exists, meaning he was principally what was known as a stand-up goaltender. If you're a younger fan, you don't even know what I'm talking about when I say that. But it's exactly what it sounded like. He would mostly stand up and use his size to take away high shots. He was not a butterfly is what I'm saying. Almost every goaltender now everywhere is at least a butterfly goaltender at his or her foundation. And beyond that, Barrasso has a lot of the credentials that you'd want. The big stuff, the main stuff, the sexy stuff. He's got the two Stanley Cups, back-to-back Stanley Cups with the Penguins in 1991 and 1992. He could have been the Conn Smythe Trophy winner in 92. There are a lot of people who feel that he should have been. It instead went to Mario Lemieux, of course, for a second consecutive year. Mario missed a chunk of that playoff because of Adam Graves intentionally breaking his wrist. My own selection, had it not been Mario, would have been 
Ron Francis, who stepped up in the biggest way to be the team's number one center, filling an impossible void. But in addition to that, Barrasso had the Vezina Trophy as a rookie, of course, winning the Calder Trophy the same year, because how could you win the Vezina and not win Rookie of the Year? And the numbers, again, can all be era-adjusted. There's a way to make an argument for him. There's a way to make an argument against him. Now, if I sound like I'm not exactly over-exuberant about the city of Pittsburgh gaining another Hall of Famer in a major sport, it's going to be for the same reason that you'll hear from absolutely everyone who knew and dealt with the guy. There seems to be a perception many, many years after the fact that Barrasso had a hard time with the media. Well, he did. He also had a hard time with humans like everywhere in every walk of life. There are stories that I can tell you from here till the end of the cyberspace that I'm allotted that would make your skin crawl. Now, his teammates would swear by him because they liked winning games and they liked the impact that he had in being a jerk on the rink because it would keep everyone sharp, notably defensively. And that team of that era, the Mario teams, really needed that at times. In particular, they needed it in 92 when they saw that the Blackhawks were going to give them all they could handle offensively and that if they weren't going to back check, they weren't going to get away with anything at all. And sure enough, game three goes at Chicago and the Penguins win by a score of one to nothing. Not just because of Barrasso, but because the entire team came back and did their jobs, probably in part due to Barrasso's pushing. So, yeah, he's he's enshrined. He's going to have a plaque in Toronto. He's going to have a moment. I'm sure there are going to be members of those 91 and 92 teams who are there to appreciate it with him. Maybe even, you know, a couple of them who are already in that room. And again, I don't have a problem with it. I'm also not going to jump for joy. I dealt with him myself. I don't feel obligated to share any of those experiences with anybody because it really doesn't matter how he is to a nobody like me. And it's not relevant to this conversation. I'm only bringing it up so that you can hear my intonation and understand why I'm sounding like this. He's in. Okay. Wonderful. Let's get Gonchar in. Gonchar, great dude. Gonchar, we all love Gonch. Let's get Gonch in next. Oh, man. Anyway, when we come back, J1Q. J1Q today, I just have to read one comment that was sent my way by Ari, who says, Oh yeah, DK. This was in reference to yesterday's Valtteri Pustinen segment. Pustinen will definitely get a chance once he turns 30. That's Mike Sullivan's favorite trait in a player. Ow. But don't say it isn't accurate. Don't say it isn't accurate. Today's J1Q 
comes from Cody who asks, what type of player would you build your bottom two lines around? Normally, I would hate a question like this because it's just, it's so broad and you, you have to throw in hypothetical names and then people get excited about a hypothetical name that they think might be coming to Pittsburgh because the guy on the podcast mentioned it or whatever. And yuck. But I've I've got my player. I've got my one. And I didn't even have to think an extra thought to put in my head who it is. It's Ryan O'Reilly. And the beautiful thing about that, of course, is that Kyle Dubas was the winner of the O'Reilly sweepstakes in making the best trade of the NHL's deadline in acquiring him from the Blues this past winter. O'Reilly was the player the Maple Leafs were missing, at least in terms of roster realities and so forth. Ultimately, not to get into some Toronto discussion here, the player the Maple Leafs were really missing was Austin Matthews and to a lesser extent, Mitch Marner and a couple others. But I digress. O'Reilly is that guy, Cody. Uh, can do it all. Can do it all at all points on the rink. If he's healthy, he still has it in him to cover all 200 by 85. He'll win your toughest draws, both ends of the rink both circles on each side and he'll score and he's just to me when i look at the blues run in 2019 i focus so much more on that player than anyone else involved and i understand jordan bennington was out of his mind never again after that i understand that vladimir tarasenko scored a lot of big goals david perron they had a lot of guys contribute but their team just you could just draw a circle around O'Reilly and say that he was the Blues in that playoff. If you need me to put that in local terms, think back to Jordan Stahl in 2009. Think about the way Stahl was able to counter Detroit's high-powered offense. Think about the enormous shorthanded goal that he scored and whatever he was able to do with penalty killing and defending. That's it. That's the player that you want. Now, you didn't attach any strings to this, Cody, so I'm exercising all the license that I'd like here, all right? I'm not saying somebody like this is realistic to acquire, but that would be my model. If you have someone like that who can contribute to the offense, who can take some of the offensive pressure at five-on-five off of Sid and Gino up the middle, if you can create matchups that are massive headaches, especially inside the division, by having not just one, not just two, but three centers that everyone's got to deal with. Listen, this was the fantasy land in which Ron Hextall was living with Jeff Carter. He had the right concept. He just had the wrong guy at the wrong stage of his career. And most unfortunately for Hextall and for the team, he fell prey to... Carter showing that last great gasp that he had upon being acquired from the Kings. 
But that's the player, Cody. That's it. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. We'll do another one of these tomorrow. 